Smith and Jones on a Monday. Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Very busy weekend for the Toronto Raptors with a game on Friday, game on Sunday, which closed out uh, three games in four nights for the Toronto Raptors. One in the win column, one in the loss column, and, uh, well, the win that they got may have sealed the deal for a certain coach as Luke Walton is no longer the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. Unfortunately, the Raptors couldn't roll that momentum into Sunday's game against the Golden State Warriors, and even though the Raptors, as they seem to do of late... They shut down Steph Curry 2-for-10 last night, Curry, 1-of-6 from distance. So a guy that dropped down nine triples in two of his last three games only mustered one against the Raptors in 37 minutes last night. Steph Curry was 2-for-10 with 12 points. Yet the Golden State Warriors beat the Raptors by 15 as Andrew Wiggins goes off for 32. Jordan Poole had 33. That's 55 of the 119. And the Warriors went wire to wire for the victory over the Raptors. I'm putting that aside, though, Jonesy, right now. Because there was a bigger story last night in the NBA. We've got lots of Raptor stuff coming up, folks. But the bigger story, the dust-up, if it's fair to call it that, the the skirmish, the, the borderline fight slash brawl slash Isaiah Stewart versus the world that took place in Detroit last night when LeBron James got wrapped up with Stewart during the free throw. James kind of pushed Isaiah Stewart off, got the arm up, got the fist up, ended up catching Stewart in the face. Stewart didn't take kindly to it, went after LeBron, went after all the Lakers. Blood starts pouring down. It's in his eye. It's down his cheek. It looks like a boxing match. And then it looked like a wrestling match, a cage match, a football game. Uh, uh, it, it, it all hell broke loose at Caesars, uh, Little Caesars Arena. Uh, in Detroit, and I think Lance, we have the the play-by-play of it. I mean, if you're a basketball fan, you you watched it last night, you saw all the highlights. But for some reason, somehow, if you missed it, here's what it sounded like. So Zach Levine light him up, then Giannis, and then Jason Tatum. And tonight it's their number one guy, Jeremy Grant. Uh-oh, uh-oh, Stewart and LeBron. Stewart is hot, and everybody's coming out now. Now, this is ridiculous. Yeah, he must have caught an elbow or something, but... Oh, yeah, he's he's got a lot of blood streaming from the side of the eye. Look, here goes Stewart. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's a little upset. You've got coaches, you've got security guys. Look at Dwayne Casey's like, just calm down. And there's Cade Cunningham also. It was along the free throw line on the free throw, and he's still trying to get loose. <laughs> he is knocking over. I mean, he's out of the game without question. I mean, this it's is like he's running through. All right, so that's that's a little taste of it last night, uh, uh, the, the uh, skirmish that happened with Isaiah Stewart and LeBron James, and it really turned into, as I said, Stewart versus the Lakers, Stewart versus his own team, his own security staff, coaches, players. He ended up running to the back, 
shoving trainers and security staff aside so he could run down the tunnel and hopefully run around behind the back bowels of the arena to get to the other tunnel, which would have been closer to the Lakers bench to see if he could get back out on the floor somehow, some way, to get to LeBron James. That was Bill McDonald and Stu Lance on the Lakers broadcast. Jonesy, you could hear Mason, the PA announcer for the uh, Detroit Pistons in the background telling fans, stay in your seats, do not come on the floor. We just, do I want to say celebrated? We just passed the anniversary, acknowledged the malice at the Palace anniversary, the 17-year anniversary last week. But man, oh man, all hell was breaking loose. And, and I'll get, to, I, I've said enough. I've been yapping my, my gums here for three, four minutes already. I'll turn it over to you, but I've, I've got my take on the situation. But what was yours as you saw it all unfold and then watched the highlights multiple times and all the aftermath and reaction and everything else? Uh, my own feeling was, uh, I, I don't think LeBron did it maliciously. I, I don't think there was any malevolence intended. It, you know, guys fighting, free throw, it happens. Um, I, I don't think LeBron's a dirty player, but you know, the same way, we all, I always use the example of hockey. You're, you're responsible for your stick. I mean, you're responsible for your own body and, and how you move. And inadvertent or not, it, it, it cut him. Um, and I think there was probably a perception from Stewart that, and it seemed to me like referee Scott Foster was on it right away. Like I, from what I've seen, he was down in under the basket in the corner towards the, where the baseline and sideline meet. And he, he blew the whistle and pointed right away as if he was calling a T on LeBron. And, and I think from Stewart's perception, it's probably, wait a minute, you're the best player in the league and you freaking get away with everything. You're not getting away with this. And you know, he saw his own blood, and that was that was it. Lights out. I mean, I, I think the the Buffalo Bills, the Detroit Lions. Maybe we can grab him as a running back, breaking tackles, uh, running from one baseline to the other. I mean, he's a massive guy, and he was just running through people, and that was scary. That was really scary. Yeah, Mason was saying to people, "Stay in your seats." Um, you know, he was he was there that night. So uh, the malice at the palace, but uh, I, I just think it was. I don't think it was purposefully done on LeBron's part. I do think it, it raised the ire of Stewart, and there's probably a perception that LeBron as the best player or you know the marketing child, the poster child for the league, gets away with stuff, and Stewart wanted to basically hold him accountable. All right. I, I, I got something to read to you. I don't think you've seen it yet. I don't think you have. If you have, then whatever. I'm not sure if our audience has. I, I'm going to read it in a second, though. Just to follow up on yours, I can tell again that we've been working together so long because my take on the situation is very similar to yours in that I don't believe LeBron James was setting out to hit, whether it's fist, elbow, or both, Isaiah Stewart in the face. But at the end of the day, you're responsible for your actions. So I don't have a problem that, that LeBron got ejected. There was part of me initially thinking – if the officials didn't see the act in the act, they would have gone to review it. They probably would have ruled a flagrant two simply because of the fact that he did draw contact with the face, with the fist, whether it was intended or not. And on top of that, he drew blood, and it was a pretty nasty cut. So you know what? You're gone. I don't believe that LeBron James should face any other further punishment going forward. Whether there's a fine, fine, I guess, maybe, but I can't imagine he gets suspended. Whereas Isaiah Stewart... I think we're talking about a lengthy suspension here. Whether we, you know, we can we can argue the semantics of the word lengthy. Five, 
Is that fair? Five games? You think it'd be less? I don't know if it should be more, but I think five games would be fair, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it depends what press. You'd have to look back at what precedents are set e from the from the players' association and and in the collective agreement because there are things that they can argue. I mean, you know, they they can point to other cases that are similar, but that that, that I mean, that seems fair. We we need we need to have Stu Jackson on. We should phone Stu this week at some point and say, "Hey, Stu, uh, <laughs> yes. what do you what do you think?" Or uh, you know, he's a guy that dealt with all has dealt with all of this. But uh, it's just hard because you know you have to look back at past stuff. You take have to take into account the character of the player, the you know past history. It's it, it's it's kind of tough at times to make a judgment. I don't know. I, I, you, you know what I do, Jonesy, and, and I often uh, I'm going to give our guy uh, Gord Stelic a shout out on this because he used to talk about this with the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Fame, especially in hockey, but in any sport. When what's your gut reaction? The first thing that comes into your brain, the first thing that comes in your gut when when you mention a certain player, boom, Hall of Fame or not, and you throw it a guy's name. To me, it's a similar situation with something like this. What? do you deem fair the first thing that enters your brain the first thing that enters your gut and for me it's three to five games if it's three i'm okay if it's five that's fine i don't think it's more than that but it shouldn't just be one i think when a guy goes after one of the greatest of all time in the manner in which isaiah stewart did and then didn't back down and then was finally pulled off the fray and then didn't back down. And then pulled off the fray again and headed towards his bench and then shoved some of his own trainers away. And then and you made the joke in our group chat. I don't even know if it was group chat or just you and I in our chat last night. The Buffalo Bills could have used Isaiah Stewart yesterday the way he was running through tackles and blockers and everything else trying to get his way back to LeBron for a third or fourth time. Then finally they separate him again. I mean, Dwayne Casey up in his face teammates up in his face wiping the blood off while he's still steaming mad and he finally gets off the floor and then shoves a trainer or security staff almost into the wall in the tunnel towards the pistons locker room to make that beeline as i was talking about into the back halls trying to see if he can circle his way around to get to la like when you haven't calmed yourself down after 30 seconds 60 seconds two minutes three minutes and it's taking multiple waves of trainers and coaches and teammates and security and refs to calm you down that's a suspension, man, and that's a suspension well, of more than one game. The, the legal get, yeah, the legal get them. Uh, there'll be a no, fine. No, more than one game. More than one game. There'll be a, there'll be a fine and suspension combined. I think, yeah, it could be up to three, two, three, uh, four. You know, failure to leave the court in a timely fashion. They they always they always add that in because when you're out, you're supposed to leave, and uh, you know that that'll be put in there. But uh, you know what ha- what on your end, what happens to LeBron James? It's a flagrant two. I'd say he's I'm been fine at out. most. There's no suspension. Okay. And listen, I, and you know, I mean, back me on this. Yeah, I'm not no, some I'm, LeBron James apologist or something. No, I no, mean, that, that's I'm fair. not a LeBron and, and James fanboy. I think a fine, but no suspension. Yeah, uh, definitely a fine. Definitely a fine uh, that goes with the flagrant two and the ejection. Um, you know, the final. It probably won't dent LeBron at all, but it it'll make him aware of of you know what he's doing out there. And if that's the prevailing sentiment from a guy like Stuart, hey man, you get away with everything. Maybe he'll be on his P's and Q's for a little while. Um, but I, I agree with you. I think Stuart, because of his uh, his continued uh, you know 
exacerbation of the situation does get he does get games. I I wouldn't be surprised if it's I would I don't know if I'd go up to five. I think three maybe because okay. again, uh, I I'd say maybe two or three. And and if they give him one, the way things are and the way judicial systems work, <laughs> it would not surprise me at all. Okay, I got I have to censor this. If you want to read the uncensored version, uh, find it on Instagram. And, and I, I even hesitate to read this because I, I liked him as a player, but he certainly came with a boatload of baggage. In fact, he addresses some of that baggage in this post. And he's also had not a lot of great things to say about Toronto and the Raptors over the years. But I'm going to read this anyways because it's, it's one person's take. All right? Gilbert Arenas posted this, Jones. And again, I've got a sense of this as I'm reading it. And he tags every person I mention here, he tags with their Instagram handles. Isaiah Stewart. Hey, brother, I'm just going to be real with you here. Pack all your blank. Pack your winter jackets and your boots because you're about to be traded to Budapest or somewhere. I don't know what type of blood got in your eye, but you can't charge at the king like that on TV. You're about to be drug tested. Just make sure that that rage isn't drug related. We don't do that in the NBA. You probably haven't read the memo on fights and attempts to go at the number one. Don't ever square up with LeBron James. Or Kevin Durant. Now, number two. Don't at, go at those. Hold boys. on a second. And again. Here. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. I'll go say on. to Gilbert. I'll say yeah. to Gilbert. Don't expect me to back down as a man. If he's trying to belittle me, and it's different from trash talk within the context of the game, like oh I got you or whatever. But no, man. You, you as a as a man as a person, your person. If if something like that. Uh, is 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 coming at you you have every right to stand there and say no lebron like you might be a better basketball player than me but you are no you know or kevin durant or anybody else but you're no bigger or better a person than me and i'm not taking that listen i don't disagree with you but i mean it's gilbert arenas go ahead again well a it's gilbert arenas and b jonesy you're not wrong that's life in general right if you're gonna come at me whether you're bigger, whether you're stronger, whether you're faster, I, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna step up. Now I might get I might get whooped in a hurry, but I'm gonna step up. That said, Jonesy, you know this. This is sports. This is this is going after Wayne Gretzky. This is going after Sidney Crosby. This is going after any quarterback in the National Football League. This is throwing at one of the top players in baseball and and, and a pitcher headhunting or whatever. You don't go after the stars, and if you do, the teammates are gonna definitely step up, and there's gonna be probably more of a um, punishment levied when you go after the stars and the leagues need to protect their stars. So I hear what you're saying, but yeah, Gilbert's got a I, bit of a I, point he, too, right? He does. He does have a bit of a point. He does have a bit of a point. Uh, and and uh, I, I think this was a situation where Isaiah Stewart was going after LeBron in my eyes for a perceived difference in the power gradient. Oh, you get away with everything. I think that's what fueled everything. It wasn't that um, and in that in that respect, Gilbert's right. It's not like he's going after him because LeBron called him out as a man. That's totally different. This was something within the framework of the game, and it happens, and you're ticked. But it it wasn't personal, right? It wasn't personal. It could have been it it could have been any other Pistons player in that spot on the lane, and LeBron's arm might have got him the same way. It wasn't that he was going at 
Isaiah Stewart to me. So that part of it wasn't personal. So I get where you can say that you don't go after, you know, Gretzky or, 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 or Durant, or you don't, you don't throw at uh, Otani or I, I get that because that's within the framework of the game. The other stuff is life on the outside. I think there's a distinction and a line to be made there in my eyes. All right, let me continue on here. And again, I'm editing this, folks, because, uh, well, because you can go look it up yourself. There's a there's a few uh, colorful words and uh, and yeah, I'm just I'm cleaning it up. You can go see it yourself. If you want to find Gilbert Arenas on Twitter? He goes on though. Number two, those boys in Golden State, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Don't let your chest get puffy towards them, or you're done. Three. The only two teams that are allowed to fist fight without any real penalties is wherever <laughs> Rajon Rondo and Chris Paul are at. Number four, wait till your teammates get around you and then act tough for the crowd. Sell it like WWE. Good luck moving forward, my man. And then he adds this. P.S. This was worse than the gun in the locker room situation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now that's exon- not true. Trying to, no, trying to exonerate himself, trying to get himself a pass. No. Yeah, but I found that very, very interesting, uh, at least in a couple of fronts, because the initial point that he brought up about, you know, not going after the stars, um, I think is legit. All right. Before we move on from this topic, in fact, we're going to be talking a lot about this topic, I'm sure, because Mark Spears from ESPN and the Undefeated is going to join us in 10 minutes or so. Um, let's hear from first. Let's hear from uh, Anthony Davis, and then we'll hear from Dwayne Casey on the Piston side of things. But here's AD, his take of the situation after the game. On a free throw, boxing out. You know, he he tried to Stewart tried to get physical with Brian. Brian did the same thing. You know, everyone in the league knows Brian not a dirty guy. That nearly hit him. As soon as he did it, he looked back at him and told him, oh, my bad. I didn't try to do it. He tried to – I don't know what he was trying to do. But I know nobody on our team, uh, 1 through 15, was, was having it. You know, we're going to protect our brother. Um, I've never in 10 years seen a, seen a player try to do that. Well, since I've been playing, I mean, obviously we've seen it before. But um, back in the day. Um, but in recent basketball, like – it's uncalled for, you know. You got cut above your eye, accidental, like, you know, it wasn't <clears throat> on purpose. And you know, we wasn't we wasn't gonna allow him to keep charging our our brother like that. Like I don't know what he was trying to do, but we wasn't gonna allow that and um we just wanted to get the win for him. You know, get the win for our team, get back in the win column. You know, um, it's interesting to me as well, Jonesy, when you think back to the Raptors game on Friday night. And listen, you could probably find somebody get cut in damn near uh, at least one game every night in the NBA. But think of Pascal Siakam on Friday night. He got an inadvertent elbow. Granted, it wasn't boxing out on a free throw. But he was standing in the lane trying to make a play. Took an inadvertent elbow to the side of the head. Got cut for three, what, three stitches, I believe? Was it four? Three stitches, three, I think? Three, yeah. To the, side of the, to, to the side of the head, right around the right temple, just to the right of the eye. He didn't go crazy on the floor trying to charge at the Kings and incite like a, a riot on the floor or something. He got pissed off. He said to the rest, where was the call? He went to the to the locker room. He got stitched up and he came out and torched the Kings for even more in in a, you know an incredible, uh, incredibly efficient, uh, highly octane offensive night against the Kings on Friday night. I, I, like The reaction was a massive overreaction on Isaiah Stewart's part. Like I don't know it how was. anybody could argue that. No, it was, it was, and that's and and the persistence of it is what uh, what is probably going to earn him, you know, an additional 
uh, dollar value on his fine, he'll be nicked a little bit more and he might get the suspension. So it, it was an overreaction. And, you know, the other part of it too, he's a young, immature player. You know, he's, 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 he's a baby in the league. So that kind of stuff is going to happen. And, you know, in that sense, Gilbert's right, dude, this isn't, we're not playing on the playground here. We're not out in the blacktop. This is professional grown man's basketball. So just act accordingly. Um, you know, you can be upset, but um, when it's done, it's done. And, and take it into account that it wasn't done purposely. All right. Last one on this topic, at least from those involved last night, head coach of the Pistons, Dwayne Casey. Uh, it was a tough play with Isaiah. You know, his eye got cracked all the way open and, and uh, you know, he was upset for a reason. So um, I don't think James is a dirty player. Uh, you know, it, but again, it, it got them going <laughs> instead of us continue the, the momentum we had, uh, it kind of got them going a little bit. Coach, are you concerned about what kind of action Isaiah might be facing from the league? I, he, he shouldn't be facing anything. He was just, I mean, he not getting off the court in time is probably a, a fun, you know, the league would have to decide that. But I mean, man, the man got, I mean, eight stitches, not whatever the number of stitches is. A, Across his forehead, and um, I don't even know if he knew who who had hit him. But uh, you know, he was upset, and you know, blood running down his face, and you know, so uh, I don't I don't see any ramifications from the league from that standpoint, no, except from just not leaving the court in time, maybe. And I thought that's why he got ejected out of the game. So to me, that's enough punishment. Jonesy, we got a lot of respect for Dwayne Casey, and I respect and appreciate he's standing up for his guy and not publicly throwing him under the bus or anything like that, but I think he's way off on his take there. There's there's going to be, and there should be, some sort of suspension. I think he's doing the thing that a coach would do in protecting his yes. player and, and and probably trying to advocate for no suspension. The other thing, too, is he, he the kid plays a lot. He needs him in the lineup. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no uh, and... and, and uh, you know, maybe they'll they'll do the same thing. Point to his history. He's young. He's new in the league. He he doesn't have a reputation. Um, so I I just think Case is trying to protect his player. I don't I don't uh, and I don't think he would. Um, you know, knowing past cases, I don't think he would make a big stink if Stewart does does get suspended. He's he's trying to get out in front of it now, and send the message out that no, I don't think he should be suspended. I, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. All right, we're going we're gonna to step aside in a couple of moments here and come back with Mark Spears. And, in fact, uh, perfect timing to have Spears on. We knew this was coming, but we weren't sure when. How about, like, moments ago? So uh, we will get into uh, the conversation with Mark Spears, the article that he just posted on theundefeated.com. Kyle Lowry on being Mr. Raptor and the chase for a second championship ring. We will get into that with Mark Spears in a moment. But before we step aside... Uh, last night, as I mentioned off the top, the Raptors in Golden State, they do a hell of a job defensively on Steph Curry, but ultimately it didn't matter, Jonesy. Wire to wire for the win for Golden State. So the Raptors now 1-3 and three on this West Coast road trip, sitting two games below five they They've got a couple of days to lick their wounds before they get set for Memphis on Wednesday and then close out the road trip in Indianapolis on Friday. Uh, but, you know, we knew this was going to be a tough trip, a lot of tough stops on the tour, uh, and it's certainly playing out that way. And it's unfortunate that the Raptors couldn't take that momentum from Friday's win over Sacramento and carry it over into last night. Man, Golden State just continues to roll. They look real good sitting atop the West and the NBA at 15-2. and two. 
Eric, it's something that we've always talked about. Uh, and I go back to the Steve Nash, uh, Mike D'Antoni, Steve Nash led seven seconds or less sons who didn't play defense. This Golden State team does play defense. And when you play a team uh, with that much scoring prowess, your offense becomes even more important than your defense because they are going to score. Whether they stop you or not is, is you know, that's at the other end of the court, but they are going to score. And no matter what kind of defense you play, it's like holding water in your hands. You're not going to stop them. So your offense needs to score to keep you in the game. And as crazy as it sounds against a team like Golden State, it's not your defense that's the big thing. It's the offense because you got to score to stay in the game. The Raptors got down 27-9 early. And go back and look at the video. I mean, I've watched it. I got it confirmed by looking at the play-by-play, uh, the written play-by-play. They missed layups. You know, they, they they missed easy shots. And you get down 18, and then you never get close. And even when you, like, they got it to 9 once. They got it to 10 in the fourth quarter. And then you miss. They make a shot. You miss. They make another shot. You come down, turn it over. They make another shot. And all of a sudden, it's 18. Mm-hmm. And all the work that you've done to cr- crawl back up the hill They've given you one kick and you're back down further than you were when you started crawling. So I I just thought the offense, um, you know, the offense gave, gave the Raptors a hard time. Their own offense gave them a hard time last night. They shot, they shot under 40%. I mean, they did the usual, they had 20 more field goal attempts, but they shot under 40%. Uh, They were outscored by seven three pointers. That's 21 points. And it just that that kind of stuff, it just it's a losing proposition against a team that, that that's that good. And and let's give Golden State some credit; they are a good team. They they move the ball. Thirty one assists on their thirty nine field goals last night. Uh, you can't keep guys in front of you. They're going to get into the lane. You're going to be chasing on rotations. They're going to move the ball. And uh, Otto Porter, uh, Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, these guys. When they have an open shot, that's what they do. I mean, those are the shots that you shoot in the gym by yourself when you get a coach and you go back to the gym at 10 at night or you're working out in the summer. Guy passes you the ball, perfect pass, on time, on target, and you catch and shoot. They were getting practice shots last night, wide open ones, and that's why they were knocking them down. And I always say this to all the people that I love the NCAA tournament, I love the college game, but those kids don't shoot the way professional basketball players shoot like the NBA, they make open shots and the NBA is the league where there are more contested shots made than anywhere else. The college game, you get the open shot for that kid. You're, you're on pins and needles that he's going to make the 20 footer in the NBA. You give guys that practice that much and it's their, their life is dedicated to that. You, I don't care how good a shooter the guy is. If you're giving him four, five, six open shots, he, and they're from three, He's making two or three of them. He really is. And I, I think that, that really hurt the Raptors last night. Well, Jones, they take nothing away from Otto Porter's five of nine. But if you look at just two those two other players you mentioned, Wiggins and Poole, they combined 14 of 19 from distance. I mean, that's 
You're not going to win a whole lot of ball games when that's the case. When you got two guys in the starting lineup going 14 of 19 from three. I mean, the Raptors shot 40, 40 and a half percent from from distance as well. wasn't bad. And I know you've noted a couple times in in Raptor games this year, they put up 20 more field goal attempts. They had 99 shots last night, but they shot 39 percent and lost the game. Never had the lead. Like it's it's bizarre to me when you see numbers like that and then see the final score. Uh, a chance for the Raptors to get back on track again in Memphis on Wednesday and then closing out the trip on Friday in Indianapolis. We'll talk more about the Raptors as the show goes on. And we'll kind of look back to one of the all-time greats. In fact, the greatest Raptor of all time when we continue on Smith & Jones and we hook up with Mark Spears from The Undefeated and ESPN. It is Smith & Jones. Make sure you download the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review wherever you get your podcast. Back in a moment. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. Make sure you subscribe to the pod. Joining us on the show right now from the undefeated and ESPN writer, broadcaster, Mark Spears. Spearsy, thanks for your time as always. Oh, man. How y'all doing, brothers? We are good, Spearsy. We are good, man. And Yeah, we got you. We got you. And it was just posted this morning, uh, and it's perfect timing to have you on. Uh, your latest uh, a Q&A with Kyle Lowry, former Raptor, Mr. Raptor, as, uh, as you talk about. And the headline, Kyle Lowry on being Mr. Raptor in the chase for a second championship ring. And with the quote underneath from Kyle Lowry, like I've said, and I'll say it now, I will sign a one-day contract, and I'll retire as a Toronto Raptor. That is my everything. Spearsy, I want to get into a lot of stuff with you, both Jonesy and I do, over the course of the next 10 minutes or so. Uh, and we appreciate your time uh, coming on right after this thing came out on theundefeated.com. What was your biggest takeaway from your conversation with Kyle? Because I know you've had a chance to speak with him a number of times, but here we are a month into the season, a month in him wearing a new jersey. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from your chat? Oh, that when he goes back to Toronto, he's going to be a mess. <laughs> Like he's gonna be an absolute mess, man. And and it's it's interesting because like we sat there and we we talked about it, and I was like, "Yo, when is the the last time you played a game there?" And he was like, "Man, it was like February of 2020." And yeah. so when he when he gets back there, he'll oddly be like two years removed from his last game, right? Um, which is, like, crazy. And obviously they were in Tampa and the bubble and all that. And so he's like, man, I'm, I'm going to be a mess when I go there. It's like – because he, he first said, I'm not looking forward to it. And I was like, huh? But then he explained that he just thinks it's going to be too emotional and he's, he's not ready for all that just yet. You know, it is, it is crazy, Spearsy, to think about the fact that it's been that long, the the, the, the two years, um, or close to two years by the time he comes back. And it's been such a, a weird time for everybody involved. But the, the one thing that I liked reading, and I, I mean, I could have guessed this, but the fact that he has contact still with so many of his guys and, and so many of his, not just former teammates, but friends. And I got to imagine behind the scenes, he's still making an imprint on this team because of especially the relationship that he has 
with Fred Van Vliet and the way that Fred has become the the sort of instant leader, go-to guy, spokesman for this franchise, just taking the reins from Kyle? Yeah, he, he called them his little brothers, and he made a point to tell me, he's like, look, this is not said in disrespect. They're my little brothers. He said he talks to, you know, OG and Fred and obviously Pascal and, you know, even even some of his former teammates that are, you know, in other places all the time. And um, says he loves them and he wishes them the best. And, and he really feels like he put the franchise in a good place, you know, um, that, that, that he didn't leave with the cupboard being bare or, or the franchise being terrible. Um, some might dispute a little bit how the roster is and what's left or whatever, um, but he really feels like uh, that the franchise is in a good place. And um, he, he said he, you know, also left in a good spot with Masai, still talks to Masai, still talks to Bobby Webster. So um, he, he was very clear that there's no animosity, there's no anger, there's no really hard feelings that, you know, that they had worked on this together. Jonesy, oh, what, you know what, Spearsy, we're having some technical issues with Jonesy, so I'm just going to keep going with you, and we'll, we'll get Paul back into the mix when, uh, when we can figure out his connection. Um, the fact that this happened in the offseason, it's like we, we, we knew it was all coming. We could see it coming. We assumed it was going to be Miami. If we go back to last year's uh, trade deadline, there was some chatter about the heat. Sounded like the Lakers were in right to the bitter last second of the deadline as well. I know you addressed this with Kyle uh, in your piece at theundefeated.com. But, Mark, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask the same question you did. Why the Heat? Why do you think it was ultimately the best fit for Kyle at this point in his career? Um, he, he told me that he uh, thought he was, they could win a championship and uh, that he thought this was the best place. Obviously, he's close with uh, Jimmy Butler. And um, he's, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of really good teams in the NBA. Is the Heat the number one? I don't know, but he felt like what he brings from a leadership and from, uh, you know, point guard standpoint is, is the missing piece. That he, uh, this is the, the last thing that uh, they needed in order to get to the next step, and he just felt like their roster pound for pound had the ability to win him a championship, and to, he, he really wants to win too. Uh, one is, um, you know, great, but he kind of feels like two will, will make his uh, legacy with as Olympian, a two-time champion, even special. And uh, I guess he felt like Miami was the best place to try to do that. Uh, Spearsy, did you did you get into? Um... You know, you said he's good with Bobby and Masai and 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 the organization. Did you get into how deeply I'm, – I'm looking forward to reading your piece, man. You always do fantastic work, and, and you come at it from a perspective that uh, not many in our business can. So I, I, I appreciate that as well. Did, did you get into, Kyle, with how, how much he, he really loved Toronto and, and how hard it was to, to kind of say, well, yeah, well, this is the time? I mean, it, it, legacy aside, like it's, that's not an easy decision. Yeah, um, no, and and that's why I think it'll be so emotional um, 
he he never had a chance to say goodbye. Uh, but I, I think he knew that the franchise was in a rebuilding phase, you know, um, that, yeah, there's some young talent, but if he wants to win a championship, that obviously has a long shot right now there. Another thing is I think he wanted to get his family some more stability um, courtside and, I mean, I mean, a U.S. side, um, and he – so I think his kids are in Miami now, also in Philadelphia. I don't know that any of them have a Canadian, uh, you know, uh, citizenship. So I think he wanted to kind of start solidifying what their future uh, will be. Um, you know, not that they're going to not spend time in Toronto anymore, um, but that they, you know, will likely be stateside. So, um he was starting to work on that next phase there. Speaking with Mark Spears, Spears, it's crazy to think about the Raptors now, kind of, uh, again, a month into this season, and you look at the way the dust has settled over the last few years with this team. It's not even three years removed from the championship. It will be, obviously, come come this summer. But it's not just Kyle Lowry gone now. Uh, Kyle and Kawhi and Serge Ibaka, Marcus Gasol and Norm Powell. It, it just shows how quick, especially in the NBA, but in pro sports in general, how fast it can turn, how fast it can change, and, and how fragile it is to try to get to the top and stay at the top. Yeah, you know, that's why you should really appreciate championships, man. And I, people say asterisks and this and that. And, you know, folks at Golden State could say, well, if, if Clay didn't get hurt and if KD didn't get it, in the course of a season, stuff happens, man. No, no team is perfect. It's the survival of the fittest. The Raptors were the fittest. The Raptors won. That championship, who knows when the next one will come, but you got it. And that's why you party like you party. That's why you drink like you drink and celebrate like you celebrate and cherish that time because nothing is guaranteed, you know? Uh, who knows? when and if that will happen again. So, um, and I, I think that that team, even though Kawhi wasn't there that long, like that team will always forever be loved, cherished. And I do think that Kyle meant more to that team than we, we already thought he meant, you know, in terms of his leadership and kind of keeping the team together. And he was as great as Kawhi was, he's the heart, he was the heartbeat of that team and kept them flowing in the right direction. So, um, no, I mean, it's uh, he'll always be ingrained in that culture. Uh, You know his jersey's going to get retired. If if, if there is going to be statues, I expect him to be one of them. And he just was special there, not only with what he did on the court, but off the court as well. Mark, I, I agree with you, and and uh, you, people can play the what if game all they want with championships. Um, you know, Golden State's first one, uh, there was no Kyrie, there was no, there was no, uh, LeBron didn't have all the help. There, there was no Kevin, Kevin Love. Love. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they played the Grizzlies when 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 they had people hurt. Uh, the Rockets were were banged up when they played them. Everybody, you can play the what if, and and don't don't give me the what if. Like this is this is this is what happens. And and as you said, they won it. And I always joke with Eric. I said, you know, it's it is like the comet. 
I mean, there are so many, it's like the comet coming by. There are so many, you might see it once in your lifetime. There are so many teams that, that are, you know, fighting for this championship and only one team can win it. So I, I, I totally hear you. And I, I always dismiss this talk about, well, if this guy was healthy, well, he wasn't and he didn't and they lost. So that's the bottom line. Uh, Mark, I, I, I wanted to ask you about this year's uh, group. I mean, you talked about uh, with Kyle leaving. Did he hint to you what he thought of this, you know, the rebuild or what was going on, kind of passing the, the, the mantle, the, the leadership torch to Fred? Did he, did he, how deeply did he get into the team and what they might look like and where they might be headed? Well, he had mentioned earlier, he had uh, said that he felt, felt that he left, the team, he left the team in really good shape. And he communicates with those guys all the time. Um, feels like uh, he said it's time for Freddie to shine. It, it, it's time for Pascal to be the guy. OG, like, almost like I'm that OG, old dude in a way, you know. It, it's time for my little brothers to become the, 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 the face of the franchise, the big brothers of the team. And it, his time has passed. Like, I think every, everywhere in life we know when it's time for us to leave, right? time for us to pass the torch and I really feel like he felt like it was time for him to pass the torch speaking with Mark Spears from the undefeated ESPN Mark we'll just keep you a couple more minutes here what's your uh, take on the Raptors you you personally Mark we, we've chatted with uh, a lot of different writers and broadcasters the last couple of weeks first few weeks of this season and just trying to get a sense of not just the Raptors but the Eastern Conference overall I mean, it seems like there is so much parity this year, more so than, than than a long time in recent memory. I mean, obviously, Chicago continues to play well. The Nets, uh, you know, uh, sitting atop with the with the Bulls as well, both of them at 12-5. and five. The Wizards not seeming to slow down, but it's kind of jammed up after that from kind of three right through to, I don't know, nine, ten. Atlanta's trying to get themselves back up into the mix. The Raptors are trying to stay right around that 500 mark. You got 10, 12, 13 teams that are trying to vie for those you know, eight spots, let alone the ten spots, and it seems like this is going to be a dogfight all season. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think this is a rebuilding year. you got a sensational rookie who I got to meet the other day and a uh, really nice guy. Um, it, 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 this is a team, I think, that could play for a later spot. Uh, not, not the play-in, but like 7-8 in the playoff. The East is certainly a lot better, deeper, um, you know, Kyle's Miami Heat are good, man. <laughs> like, they're really good. They got a shot. Obviously, Milwaukee, I think, you know, um, Brooklyn. To me, right now, and the East is deep, but it's it's a three-team race right now. I think with uh, the Bucks, you know, obviously the Nets and the Heat, and let's see what happens with Ben Simmons. I'm, I'm not, you know, the Sixers have a pretty good record. I'm not quite sold on them right now um but as, as far as the other spots uh playoff spots in uh in the east i think there's a lot of parity like you said and it's uh it's a free-for-all uh, mark what, what do you make of what's going on out west especially with uh the lakers and their start although they had a uh, you know a comeback win last night but are they eventually going to put it together or do you think this is their kind of you know, going to be in fits and starts and figuring it out with two ball-dominant guys in, in LeBron and Russ? Uh, I think they're a work in progress. You know, 
they'll be a lot better in the end than they are now. Um, obviously, they got to adapt to adapt to Russ. Russ has to adapt to them. They still have a lot of injuries. You know, Trevor Reese has been out. Kendrick Nunn. Uh, they haven't been really healthy this season. I, I expect them to be a lot better in March than they are now. Now, does that mean they're better than Golden State? Better than Phoenix? Maybe not. You know, maybe not. I mean, Clippers, who knows if they get Kawhi. I, even though I think they will improve, right now I really feel like Golden State and, and Phoenix will be the better clubs. Spearsy, we appreciate your time as always. Uh, thanks for joining us and look forward to hopefully one of these days actually seeing you in person as well. All the best, man. All right. Thanks, brother. All right, take care, man. There is Mark Spears from ESPN and The Undefeated. Again, you can check out his latest uh, Q&A with Kyle Lowry, the former Raptor at theundefeated.com. We both, I believe, tweeted out the link or sent out the link. Either way, you can uh, find it yourself at theundefeated.com. And, you know, we we got into it right off the bat, Jonesy. I know you were trying to, you know, get get the line reconnected and whatnot. But one of the things that stands out to me in the piece as well is, you know, Kyle was quite honest about the fact that how bizarre it was. And, you know, we got into it with Mart there, how bizarre it was these last two years. You spent an entire season in Tampa. Prior to that, you, you know, your last home game was in February of 2020. Then, you know, all hell breaks loose. And then there's the bubble restart. And then the off season that came after that, Kyle admitted, he's like, man, I still got, I still got stuff up in storage. And people think stuff in storage, like, okay, yeah, you got a, a couch and a TV, or maybe you got a car, you know. But trying to go through the sale of a house in another country in the midst of a pandemic, one of the things he pointed out too, though, it's like, you know, my kid's schoolwork, like some of their art things, like all the things that parents, if any parent that's listening right now, the stuff you save, your report cards and projects and, and, and little drawings, things that were on the refrigerator, things that were brought home from school, all that stuff just rammed into some storage somewhere that he was never able to really kind of close his his life, his chapter on Toronto properly, and that was sort of taken away from him. And I think that will add to the emotion when the Heat ultimately do come back to Toronto and he has that first moment back in the city and, and has his farewell in his welcome back. I agree. Um, that's that's the emotional part of it because uh, you invest. You invest with the team, uh, the city. Uh, just think of all the off-court stuff, the, the the stuff that Kyle did at Thanksgiving and Christmas and, and you, you know, even DeMar. He's gone, but he's still the book clubs, all of those things. You invest. You invest in the city. You be, and in this case, in the country, and you become – uh, one, you be, you become beloved by those people, and it, it's hard. It re, it really is hard, and you you know you pour your time and your effort uh, with a bunch of guys that are all trying to get the same goal, and you actually accomplish it. And as Mark Spears just said, it's rare, so it's going to be really tough. I I imagine it will be an emotional night, and uh, I got to tell you though, don't bet it. Don't don't bet against Kyle having a terrific game when he comes back, but he because he's just the kind of guy that can put that stuff, compartmentalize it, put it in a box and say, it's nice before, I'm going to put it in a box, I'm going to put it over there, and I'll open it up and we'll talk about it after. But right now I got business. So uh, I expect him to come in and play really well on the night that he comes back to Toronto. And we still got a long way to go. February 3rd until Miami comes to town. The Raptors will see the heat before them, but that home game in Toronto, February 3rd, and Jonesy, think about that, it will be nearly two years to the day since he last game 
in Toronto. Not in a Raptor uniform, but in Toronto. That is crazy to think that it will be almost two full years by the time that February 3rd game rolls around. I will say on a, on a I was going to say on a selfish level, but that's probably not you know grammatically correct because it's more Kyle, not me. The fact that the Heat will be in Chicago for Thanksgiving, that's a cool moment, I think, as well, too, because you got to assume that DeMar DeRozan is going to be want, want to be with his family, his teammates, et cetera, as well, but they're going to hook up. They're going to be together, and to be able to be with your brother, your friend at that time, if you can't be with your wife and children, that's got to be a cool moment, too, to at least be in Chicago and be able to spend some time with DeMar. Yeah, that'll be that'll be really good, uh, you know, and it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting game to boot. Um, the NBA always always takes us on great journeys. Hey, eh? there's nothing like the season with all the the stories that come about, and uh, it's it's to me it's it's you know it's the greatest game in the world. I, I just I I just love it. There's nothing like it. Folks, if you like the show, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review the show as well. The hour flew by. Smith & Jones on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.